Hey everybody, TGIF! Welcome to the Friday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen. I am the lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we make up Winners and Winers Radio, although only for a couple more days, Scott. I'm getting ready to uh, have a little, a little refresh of the show. It's going to be heading back to the window with Scott and Scott, so... Should be fun. Going to be a little shorter show. Going to be a little more streamlined, a little more trimmed down. We're going to get rid of some of the uh, some of the extra stuff, some of the bells and whistles, and we're just going to be handicapping fools. That'll I think you also mean streamlined because we're going to be literally streaming online. Oh, very good. That's oh, oh, nice. Yeah, and that's the that's the cool part. It's going to be live. We're going to be doing the afternoon of the games. We're going to be doing it at three p.m. Eastern time. Live streams all over the place. Facebook Live, Twitter. Um, what else, Scott? Uh, Twitch. 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 That's the that's the the Twitchies. We're gonna do the Twitchies as well, and we'll be able to take questions in real time and interact with you guys. So we're excited about that. But first, we've got a couple more shows to knock out with the old format, Scott. So, uh, how'd you end up doing yesterday? College football, a little pro game. How'd that work out for you? I did well live betting. Good. But when it came to my actual play. Did not go too well. I kind of was a victim of a bad beat. Now, it would have been a bad beat push. I really didn't have much of a shot to actually win the bet. But I had Navy team total over 21 flat. They ended up with 17. I had two touchdowns taken off the board on controversial penalties, which turned seven points into three points. Yep. And they finished with 17. Yep. Now, just to be clear, it was the same drive. because. Uh... Yeah. Well, one wasn't even a drive. One was a pick six. Yep. The other one was the ensuing drive after that. And two ridiculous calls, by the way. They were, they were awful calls. Yeah, just just brutal. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat with you there. I, I had uh, I had Navy plus 10 and a half. Actually got it 11 at game time. Didn't matter. It just The defense, I, I thought they'd have a little bit more. I knew Memphis was going to be able to score. I thought maybe Navy would be able to hold them just a little bit more and uh, just put a few more points on the board. But it game, didn't game work out that I way. I kind of thought of what. I thought Memphis through the air would have a lot of success, but I figured they turned the ball over a couple of times. Yep. And I thought Navy would generate a decent amount of drives, and they had a ton of drives. <laughs> they had a lot of opportunities, but every time Navy got close, they tried to throw the ball. I didn't understand and it. every time they tried to throw the ball, they 10-yard sack, and it killed the drive. Yeah, they and they, they take – they're like top 10 in sacks allowed, even though they throw like – Never. It's like I understand. It's an incredible you know, stat. Percentage of stat of percentage of sacks on dropbacks had to be off the charts, leading like, the country. I understand you're down 18 points in the middle of the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. but you just went 40 yards only running the ball. You have a backup quarterback. Why are you trying to throw the ball? Yeah. Well, and that was and that was the and that was the probably the bigger problem was keeping Ty healthy. Yeah. He just he just kept. You know, God, what a what a the backup wasn't bad in the in the running game, but they just kept trying to make these guys throw, and they kept just getting slammed in the backfield. Yep, yep, brutal game. Uh, as far as the as far as the Tampa Bay game goes, we hit our play of the day. We hit a teaser that we had had the over for a premium. Ugh, heartbreaker, just just brutal. We get to we get to fifty. Of course, Philly misses the field goal uh, earlier in the game, and you go, wait, well, yeah, I bet that comes back to haunt us. And there you go, sure did. As we come up two and a half points short. As Tommy Terrific gets the fourth, gets the third and one. That's that's we just needed to stop on that drive once New England was or once Tampa was in fi- in field goal range. It's the most it, unstoppable play in the history of the sport. It almost is. It's the yeah. It's if you need a yard and 
I, I don't even like teams aren't even prepared for it. I, I don't get it, but what do I know? So on we go, buddy. And we have we have made a pack not to talk about our our <laughs> our other play. This the play that the, the, the play that shall not be named. So we'll we'll move on. We'll just we'll just say we took an unlucky beat in our bet the farm play. When we hit the when we hit the submit button. Oh yeah. Yeah, we when we talked our when we said, you know, there's no way this baseball game goes over the total. That is an absolute lock. So anyway, here's our bet the farm play. It's going to be from college football. Yeah. Neither one of us played this baseball game that we were absolutely certain about how it was going to turn out. I Pretty much. Sometimes, you know, I don't know. We overthink it every now. We really do. We we really do. So with that being said, let's find out who else took it in the shorts today, Scott. Let's find out whose day didn't go well. You know who you are, but now we're going to let the world know that you have got to call the cops. All right, Scott. We're going to start it off as we so often do in the world of college football. If you had Navy in the first quarter plus three, you know, Memphis scored a touchdown on the opening drive, took them... Mm, I don't know, two, two minutes, two, or so. two plays, whatever it was. And then Navy did their Navy thing. They went on a 21 play, 75 yard drive that took about 12 minutes. And you're thinking, hmm, Memphis scored. Navy took 12 minutes. Can't be much time left on the clock. No, Scott, there wasn't. Memphis got the ball left with 19 seconds left. Hey, Navy, think you could stop them for just one freaking play? No, no, they could not. Memphis scored a TD first play of the drive and Navy trailed for 14 to seven after the first quarter. If you had Navy plus three in the first quarter for starters, it was the last chance you had of winning with Navy. And secondly, you got a horrible beat. Got to call the cops. And looking at the second one, if you had the Red Wings on the money line at plus 185 against the lightning, they led six to three with less than seven minutes to go in the third period. The Lightning didn't need the seven minutes. They scored three goals in the next four minutes. Oh. And then the Red Wings lost in overtime. Oh, God. Well, that's just awful. Awful. What's wrong with Tampa Bay, Scott? Why are they giving up uh, six goals per game? Six goals per game. That seems a little high. Uh, with Vasilevsky in that, it is. Uh, it seems to me like Tampa lost a decent amount of pieces. Mm-hmm. Not really the big guys, but they lost Yanni Gord, for example. They lost Goudreau. And maybe they're just trying to retool the defensive scheme. But as of right now, whatever they're doing, they're giving up too many odd man rushes. Yep. That's, uh, and yeah, that's, uh, I, Vasilevsky's goals, goals against right now isn't, isn't ideal. No, not at all. Hey, if you had the Nuggets Thunder under 216, you made a good call. You handicapped it correctly. In fact, you thought it was going to be a tight game and low scoring. Well, you were too correct because it was tight. They had 204 points after the fourth quarter. Uh-oh, that's an even number, Scott. It couldn't have been. Yeah, it was. It was tied 102-102. However, you know what? You're still alive. You, you've got to get 16 points in overtime. You know, you can have a couple of dry trips. Well, you well, need 15 in overtime to lose, technically. Or 15, sorry. 15 to lose. You're right, you're right. No, I'm sorry. No, you needed you needed 13. I was looking at the final. You needed 13 to lose. It was 216. So, anywho. Yes, sir. You figure you're mostly dead. You got a puncher's chance, and like most puncher's chances, it didn't work out. They scored 16 in overtime. If you had the under there, good play, good handicap. Keep at it. But for this one, you got to call the cops. 
And looking at the last one, if you had the Buccaneers minus seven taking on the Eagles, they mm-hmm. led by 21 points in the third quarter, led by 14 points with six minutes to go. They went forward on fourth and two at around midfield, which I didn't agree with. I also had punt on the drive at plus 200, so I'm a little bit salty on that one. But they went for it. They missed. Philly took over and scored a touchdown. So you think to yourself, all right, we're going to push whatever. They're going to be up seven. Wait a second. Philly down eight's going for two, which I love, but I'm sure a lot of people still aren't fully used to the math involved on that. And Philly got it. So then Tampa got the ball back, got to Philly's six-yard line. How about three kneels in a row to end the game? Philly lost by six. Philly couldn't save one timeout for the final two. That's all they had to do. If they could have saved one timeout, they would have made Tampa Bay kick a field goal. Everybody's happy. I hit the over. Tampa Bay covers. We all go home happy. But they couldn't. They used them early. And Bob's your uncle. That's how that well, works Well, on the bright side, that's why you kind of showcased your skills on the free play that you gave out because you showed the value of teasers yesterday. That's correct. That is absolutely correct. Now, for a while, I was kicking myself for not taking the actual parlay and just taking a two-teamer over 52-and-a-half and the uh, Bucks minus seven. However, as the game ended up, I look like a damn genius, at least on the free play. So, mm. all right, buddy. Well, there were some happy folks out there. There were some people that did well. And uh, let's find out who they are, because uh, I don't think any of them are sitting here. Although you did well on your drive props. We're all impressed. But uh, as far it as... It doesn't matter. And give those out as play of the day. No, it's a little hard to give those out as play of the day. So let's find out who had those nice, easy winners, Scott. Who was sitting in the rocking chair today? So the first one, we're going to look at the world of hockey. If you had the Islanders and the Hurricanes over five and a half goals, three goals in the first, four goals in the second, and for fun, two more goals in the third, game ended six to three. Hey, how'd that uh, Islanders money line under five and a half work out? Uh, Not well, (laughs) uh, but Carolina's a good team. I don't remember ever giving out the Islanders. No, that's a, no, my kid posted a, uh, uh, it's time to it's time to break out Old Faithful. P- posted a meme with Old Faithful and the Islanders money line in the under. I would wait a little bit with the Islanders because they got a decent amount of new guys. I think that'll gel at some point. Starting the season with about 13 straight road games, that is so beyond brutal. Oh, is that because they're finishing up the arena? Yeah, they is got 13 the straight road games to start the year. Oof, oh, they didn't pay they didn't pay off the unions enough to get it done on time. The hell? I guess not, but just keep that in mind. If you're betting on the Islanders, a lot of traveling over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Hey, if you had the Sabres money line going up against the Canadians, uh, they were in good shape. They led two zip after the first period, four one after two, and no shenanigans, no late night heroics. Uh, they ended up putting up a goal in the third period. They end up winning that one five to one. Congratulations. And you look, were sitting in the rocking and, chair. Yep. Looking at the last one, it's a game we talked about in the call the cops segment, but if you had the over, in the Lightning and Red Wings game. Can I interest you in a total of six Mm -hmm. with six goals in the second period alone Mm. and five goals in the third period alone? The game went to overtime for fun, ended seven to six. That's going to get you a lot of overwinners right there. Yep. All right, very good. Well, let's talk about it, Scott. We had a couple of of contestants for this one. You know, you think on a kind of a slow sports day, not a ton going on. We ended up moving one to a different segment, but mm-hmm. you really have a couple arguments. Yep, we really do. So let's do it. Let's find out. 
we're gonna we're gonna do some serious roasting here, Scott. It's the uh, it's the golden feedback, and it is well deserved for today's donkey of the day. All right, sir. So I don't know if you've heard this or not, but they're having some trouble right now in Washington with the Washington football team. So they did what all teams go to, what all what all entities do when they face a public relations disaster. They've gone into uh, they've gone into distraction mode. Scott, the uh, Washington football team announced yesterday that they were going to retire Sean Taylor's number twenty one on Sunday. Scott, is this the kind of thing teams generally do with about four days' notice? No, I feel like it's something you do months if not weeks in advance which is why i was actually kind of pushing this to be the donkey of the day because it involves a little bit of reading between the tea leaves but i just feel like it's extremely distasteful to retire a number that you should have retired years ago right solely for the purpose of deflection Mm -hmm. it's a real dick move i agree i agree it's it's very transparent it's not i do you think it you you see it working scott no I think that it's definitely a byproduct that people wanted because I'm sure a lot of people wanted Sean Taylor to get his jersey retired because right. of just how good he was and how he passed away in that tragic event. But you're going to wait until now from a full scandal. The only reason why he's getting jersey retired as of right now is because of the scandal. So I know that it's a bit of a conspiracy theory by me, but the fact that all this happens short notice makes it seem painfully obvious that even though Washington is retiring the jersey of a guy who they should have retired, the intentions are not in the right place. See, we like black people. We we got see we're retiring Sean Taylor's number. I just don't exactly think that it was a genuine move. Let me let, that let me ask you: Do you think that moves the needle of public perception? By the way, Washington doesn't have an issue with black people. John Gruden only has an issue with black people, right? Well, I I believe any. Any, I'm, I, we, it's the same conversation as yesterday. I'm making a joke. Any right? owner that making, fi- any owner that fights that hard to yeah. keep the name of Redskins, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's a racist. Making email comments to people from the Washington organization. I'm assuming once again they're using the same language, both sides. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I, think I was being facetious. I right? think you could put Schneider and Gruden in a lot of buckets there that probably aren't but very good. Either way, do you I'm think it moves the needle at all? Do you th- do you think it moves the needle ten percent? People are ten percent less angry. Because of this move, does it does it help at all? I think you can argue maybe not for me. It's no. so obvious yeah. that this is just a deflection tactic. And using a guy who passed away several years ago, it's not even several at this point. It's basically a decade and change. Mm-hmm. It's just extremely distasteful. And I think it's a very scummy move yep. by Washington. Agreed. Agreed, my friend. Well, there you go. Um, now we're going to find out, and this was, this was the early leader in the clubhouse for donkey of the day, but we've decided he belongs in this position a little bit more. Oh man. Can you imagine being a coach and having to deal with this and having to say to your players, you know what? I'm not mad, Marcus. I'm just disappointed. So Scott, let it go too far. All good. Go ahead, sir. So for this one, we're looking at the ending of the NBA preseason schedule. And my question for you is, 
since you have traveled occasionally on, uh, you know, in your lifetime, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you have a flight scheduled at some point, yep. what's the most important thing that you have to keep in mind? Uh, getting there on time. Correct. Yep. Being on the actual plane That's is usually it. a pretty good start for an actual trip. And Marcus Smart, I guess, uh, overslept the alarm, hit the snooze button too many times. I don't really know what happened. Traffic was brutal on the way over. But anyway, Marcus Smart missed the team plane. And as a result, he got suspended for the next preseason game. Now, it is preseason. Wow, that'll teach him. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not really a punishment. It's not really a big situation because the games are meaningless. But they just paid Smart an extension mm-hmm. during the offseason. Right. He's viewed as one of the leaders because, of course, he's an extremely tough player. He's been around. He brings a certain culture that Boston tends to embrace when it comes to basketball. You can't be a leader if you're missing flights. No. I mean, come on. No, but – can we can we talk about the punishment there? So he oversleeps and misses the plane because he doesn't really want to go and play the preseason game. So the punishment is to make sure that he doesn't have to go to the next preseason game. Well, they should make him go to extra preseason games. Boston's looking at it maybe because Jalen Brown is currently out with COVID and, and stuff like that. Right. Uh, the only chance they have of winning maybe is if Smart plays in the regular season. So maybe they're trying to keep him in the lineup, but it's a weak punishment. I think they needed to punish him a little bit harder, yeah. but at the end of the day, they're going to handle it internally, whatever that means. The suspension for the precinct game was the only public thing they mentioned, but the way I'm looking at it is that if you're going to be an actual leader on this team, you cannot miss your only responsibility before the game when you're traveling. No, no, you can't. Gosh, darn it. Oh, that's going to hurt. Well, I didn't want to care. I didn't want to cash that ticket. We're watching. Well, you might. We're watching the. We're watching the Dodgers Giants. By the way, it's the eighth inning Giants. Uh, Would only be fitting though if Bellinger had a great regular season like he usually does, mm-hmm. and then does nothing in the playoffs. But the one year he has an awful regular season. Yep. He just hits the most important hit of the season. So we wrap up a double play here. My scenario that I predicted yesterday would work out perfectly. It would. You need to end two one after top nine. That's exactly what I call. That was I, a really really bad off speed pitch, basically right down the middle to Bellinger. Yep, it was. Uh, all right. So on with the show we go. <sighs> you ever missed a flight? Uh, I have. Due to, con- due it to was connections. Through no fault of my own. Yeah. Due to, due to connections and stuff. It was either due to connections because one of the flights I had got delayed initially and that screwed up the whole thing. Right. Or I once was traveling with my parents when I was like seven. And for whatever reason, we got stuck in traffic. We didn't, whatever. Something got you know, messed up. But oh, you wouldn't figure traffic would be in New York going to the airport. Especially by LaGuardia, which is an absolute disaster zone. But nice, yeah, for me personally, the only time I've ever actually missed a flight on my own was pure connections from Wisconsin back to New York yeah. and going through O'Hare. Yeah, because you know why? Because you're paying for it. <laughs> All right, buddy. So speaking of baseball, some managerial moves here yesterday and some some news coming out about other managers. First of all, Schilt is out, St. Louis. 17 games in a row winning streak, Scott. That Cardinals, that that stupid Cardinals team won 90 games. Um, He's made the playoffs every year. He's been the manager. Meanwhile, he's out. Tony La Russa, he's coming back. And as you alluded to the other night, looks like Boone's coming back as well. Real problem. Uh, first base coach and or the, the the base coaches and the hitting coach, right? 
Yeah, they fired the third base coach, Nevin, thank God. Right. Uh, who, of course, made his uh, peace star resistance by sending Judge uh, past third base in that wild card game, and he got Brutal. torn out by about five feet. Brutal. So he's gone. They got rid of the hitting coach and Marcus Thames, got rid of the assistant hitting coach, which I guess is the assistant to the regional manager. I don't really know what the assisting hitting the coach is. Assistant does. to the traveling secretary? That's I a, guess. I don't really know, but they're a, both gone. That's a thing. didn't they? Isn't that what they did in Arizona? Fired the hitting coach and the assistant hitting coach? Yeah, they fired Eric Hinsky and the other guy yeah. while the team w- couldn't pitch either. So, sure, right. a lot of fun. But anyway, <laughs> point is that uh, the Yankees move, I'm not really surprised with because according to reports, I know Buster only repeated that a couple of days ago, uh, that Boone's go- probably going to stay put. So, it is what it is. The LaRusso one, I thought he would be gone. I don't know if I, it was a hot take or not. I kind of posted that on Twitter. And somebody from Chicago told me, I don't think that's that hot of a take. But he's back because the White Sox won the division. I think both of us could have probably won the division with that team. But either way, they won one playoff game, and they decided to bring him back. The Cardinals one makes no sense to me. And they claim that they got rid of him because of philosophical differences between the manager and the team. Isn't the philosophy to win? I don't really know what that means. You got to do it the Cardinals way, buddy. But what does that mean? I get that you've had some issues potentially bringing Reyes to pitch against the Dodgers in the ninth. You had the issue of pinch hitting Carpenter for half the season when he was batting about 120. So there were some areas, you know, to be worked on, but that Cardinals team wasn't very good. No. And your main trade deadline bandage was trading for J.A. Happ and and John Lester. Now, Lester actually worked out somehow. For the most part, yeah. But the point is your team wasn't very good. No. I'm blaming the front office for that. Your team went on a 17-game winning streak and somehow clawed to a wild card spot. Right. Brought the Dodgers an an 106-win team to the brink, and you're just going to – clean house i don't really know i don't think schilt did a bad job of course he didn't they uh scored uh they won 17 in a row come on come on what do, what do you want if you it, how can you can get are could, you delusional that you think your team's actually competing for titles because you can look at your actual roster the brewers are clearly better than you you're not going to beat the dodgers i don't think you're beating the giants either i don't know if you're beating the braves like the Cardinals aren't even the best team in their division. So when you talk about philosophical differences, maybe get more talent. Could we? Could Connie Mack have won more than ninety games with that team? Casey, I don't know if Casey, Casey Stingle, Stingle, Billy, could have won Billy, Billy Martin. I don't care. Name your best manager of all time, Walter Alston, whoever. All I know is the Cardinals worked their asses off. It seemed like they really liked him as a manager, and he was successful. At yeah. least for a certain degree. So right. If you, I, I don't know who you're getting. That's an improvement. How about philosophical differences with the GM that makes your big moves, J.A. Happ and John Lester? There's some philosophical differences. That's what I'm saying. That's, I, don't I don't know who you go for now. You go for like a Beltron you, with no experience? No. You go for a veteran guy like a Ron Washington? Like, I don't know who you're going to get. 100%, 100% going to be internal. But I'm saying, if you end up getting an internal guy, which is what, it, according to reports, is going to be the case, yep. I don't know what you think the ceiling of this team is. They won 90-something games. Right. No, it's just how they did it. They, if the Cardinals are a weird organization, man, things have to be done the Cardinal way. I'm not kidding about that. It's, it's, it's like the Dodger way, the Cardinal way. There's a, it's 
The Rays way, I guess. The Rays way, but the, you know the Cardinals have been doing it literally for a hundred years. So I'm just saying that if you win ninety something games, you win seventeen games that overlap into September. Brutal. So you, you should keep you, the manager. You're like me. You disagree with every one of these moves. Um, Shields should still be there. Larusa should be out, and Boone should be out. I agree. The Larusa one, it's I sketchy. If he wants to, if he wants to come back, he won the division. Okay, I get it. I was gonna say like that one. I guess is the most understandable because the Yankees have underachieved. Chicago won the division, but you look at that rotation. Everyone basically fall, fell apart down the stretch. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Larusa, I don't think did a great job with how he handled the midseason stuff. But you won a cakewalk of a division. You won ninety something games. And you ended up getting matched up against a Houston team that's really, really good. So right. I do think that out of all three of those, I think the Larusa one is the most understandable. Okay, all right. I, I would, still don't agree with it, but right. I think it's the most justifiable. I would agree with that. I would, I would agree with that. Come on, one more strike, buddy. By, by, by the way, Scott, bringing in Scherzer looks like uh, short rest Scherzer to close out a playoff game. Didn't they try that with Kershaw a couple years I ago? I like my chances, buddy. I like my chances. You Although, got a shot. He's a Mizzou grad, so you know he's got uh, he's got the skill, he's got the talent, he's got the fortitude. Can absolutely do it. But first, we got to get out of this inning right here with we'll Galvin pitching. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a uh, it's a it's a weird deal the way that the Cardinals treated Shield. I don't I don't get it. You know, Scott. And I know we're I know we're also harping a lot on this Cardinal stuff, and I'm sure most people don't care because this team got eliminated. Right. But I am really just fascinated by the thought process of some front offices and how delusional your expectations actually are. Do you think he was always behind the eight ball because he never played professional baseball? He never played in the minors. He never played in the majors. He was he was a, an analytics guy. Um, the, the only thing I know player, is player that evaluation the Cardinals, kind of guy. Their, their first year went with him went on another run in September, and they were underdogs against a very talented Atlanta Braves team. And they went into game five. And they scored 10 runs in the first inning. Right. They won the series. So he's had playoff success. I'm not going to call a one-run loss to an 106-win team on the road on a walk-off home run a failure. No, of course not. It's no, fine. Absolutely I don't not. think he did a bad job. Nope. Nope. All right. Now, Very... if he beat the Dodgers, is he keeping his job? I Oh, yeah. I don't know. If he beats the Dodgers, and let's just say gets swept by the Giants. That's a great question. If it's philosophical, I don't even know if it matters how he did. It sounds like he was just dead to rights. Yeah, I agree. I is, and it was weird that they made a move in a day that they were playing a baseball game. They don't usually do that when you're when you've got postseason because they 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 don't want anything to distract from the actual game hoopla itself. Well, I don't know if that's the Yankee move where they haven't officially announced what they're doing with Boone. Maybe because of what you said, out of respect, but right? They fired a bunch of coaches, assistant wise, right? And yet Boone is still technically there, but he doesn't have a contract. And the Yankees are tiptoeing their way towards a decision, which I feel like might be proper gamesmanship for we have a game five in a series. Let's just wait until after some of this is over. If you can find a prop on Boone to be fired, I would lay up to minus 400. No. Uh, yeah. Well, fired is impossible because he's out of a contract. But the point is he well, won't be back. Yes. The, won't the, be the for coach. him to be back, it should be like minus 300, minus 400. Yep. Absolutely. Well, bud, we got uh, we got some games tonight. Um, we got a baseball game that we might be getting to a little bit later and talk a little bit about that. But we've got football, Scott. It's college football. It's college football Friday, and I guess it's a good day. It, it could have been 
it could have been a fantastic day. You could have, you could have had three uh, top twenty-five teams, or you could have you could, technically you could have had four in action. You could have had a top twenty-five game, a team in every one of these games. So didn't quite work out that way. So let's talk about one of the most disappointing teams in college football this year. Is there is there a more disappointing team than Clemson? Uh, it's tough. I mean, I mentioned them to miss the playoffs at around minus 1400 earlier this week. Mm-hmm. So no, I feel like everyone expected Dabo to retool kind of like what Bama does and what Georgia does and still hang around the top five, top 10. They were unranked. So yeah, I think they're the most disappointing team. This First year. time since 2014, they haven't been ranked, Scott. I think Wisconsin's a close second. But I do think that Clemson is definitely the most underachieving team up to this point. Yeah, I mean, you can't go from almost a shoe, a shoe in for the, the college football playoffs to unranked in five weeks. Because Wisconsin lost some games, but you lost to a Penn State team that was top 10. Like, okay, you lost to Notre Dame. They were also around top 10. Mm-hmm. You lost some decent competition. Clemson lost to Georgia. Okay. Yep. You, got, you lost to NC State, which is a pretty bad loss there. NC State's decent, but still. And then you barely beat Boston College. You've been Georgia, basically just, Georgia Tech. Yeah, you've been barely getting by. And Georgia Tech's not very good. No. No. And you know, if you look if you look at the at these at these uh scores for Clemson, so they put up 49 against South Carolina State. They put up 21 against NC State, but that was in overtime. That game was 14-14 at the end of regulation. They can't score. So if you look if you look at that in regulation, Scott, against D1 competition or FBS competition, they haven't scored more than 19 points in the entire season, and that was against Boston College last time out. Yeah. So to me, I it's it's, it's Syracuse or Pass. Do you I mean, yeah, do you want to they're averaging about uh, what 13 points a game in regulation? Do you want to lay 14 points with a team that's averaging less than that? No, that was the logic I had when I took Boston College plus the 15. Because I didn't think Clemson would score enough to make it reasonable right. for them to actually cover. And they weren't even close to scoring enough to make it reasonable. So Syracuse is a team that I'm not sure if it's good or not. They are feisty, especially in the Carrier Dome. I think that off a of bye, Clemson will look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But I have some real issues when it comes to expecting a team that's basically averaging close to 17 points per game to cover against FBS competition. To average to win by enough to cover double digits, so I'm looking at I'm looking at Syracuse or nothing. I I agree I agree. Uh, what about the total for you? Uh I really hate the damn total because Syracuse defensively has been a disaster for the last couple of weeks, right? And they've been a huge over team, but Clemson's been a huge under team. I got no damn idea. Hold my nose, I'll lean over. Okay. Just because I feel like in college you can find ways via turnover, et cetera, to get over this low number. But damn, this game might be hideous. Is that a fair way to put it? I, I think that if you want to make a case for the under, it makes sense. But with Syracuse and with DJ making dumb decisions, I would not be surprised to see a turnover to inside their own 30. Yep, that's absolutely, absolutely true. You know, it's also in, it's also in a dome, so weather is going to not be a factor. To me, this is this Clemson team is just is a is a perfect under team. They they, they are, but they, I am curious if you think with the extra week of prep with the bye, if maybe they look a little bit more competent. You know what? They could put up they could put up twenty seven or twenty eight. I still don't think you it still goes, don't feel great about. I still don't think I, I still don't think it goes over. Yeah. Yeah. So all right, very good. 
And moving on, we've also got on our card the Marshall North Texas game. Scott, going to be a lot of green in that one. You got the uh, the thundering herd and the mean green. There's some some angry mascots there happening. Marshall road favorite of eleven sixty six and a half is the number. This and this one has gone up since it opened. Opened at sixty four and a half. So yeah, we've bumped that. We've bumped that a couple of points. Nice job by Marshall getting rid of your coach. By the way, it's really been working out. Mm, yeah, made no damn sense. I don't Hollywood, good coach. I do you understand it? No, it didn't make any damn sense at the time. This team isn't good. Are you? You got mad at Holiday because your team fell apart after making it to the conference title game. Yep. This team isn't good. You you lost a couple of heartbreakers to App State. You barely beat Old Dominion. You needed overtime for that. Oh, do you? Your team's just not very good. It is what it is. What do you think about this North Texas team? They, uh, they stink. So at least Marshall has flashes. It's weird for North Texas, though, because usually they were a huge over team mm-hmm. in most years yeah. because they used to just air it out, give up 50 points, but they'd score 35 for fun. Yeah, they're grinding. Last week, yeah, last week against Missouri, that happened. That was but all Missouri junk. That was all ju- a, And that was all junk time, too. Missouri is just a dead over team. I mean, that team can't stop anybody, and they do have a very good quarterback who can actually throw. So I'm going to throw that game out. North Texas can't throw the ball. Their passing game is completely broken. So I'm going to look at the under. This total seems a little bit too high to me because Marshall defensively has been underwhelming at times. But against bad offenses, this defense can stand up. I think this total is too high. Give me the under. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you there. This is you can't you can't look at that total against Mizzou, and I and I know that's what's I know that's what's driving it. That's that's why you're getting a, a total that's that high. But if you look at this, there was a Mizzou was up 31-7 at halftime. They were up 38-7 after the third quarter. You only had seven points against Missouri after or 30 a up, 30 up for 38-14. Excuse me. North Point Texas. is, yeah, Missouri can give up 28 to anybody. Yeah. And yeah, and and it was completely twenty-one points there in garbage time. So, I agree. You, you can't really take anything away from that game. I'm uh, curious about the spread because I guess I have to lean Marshall, but damn, this team's underwhelming. They've really been they've really been underachieving this this far this so far this season. Just two and four against. I don't, the, I don't really know what North Texas number. does well. I guess defensively they're better than people thought because. Well, to be honest, they were basically Arkansas State last year defensively. They couldn't stop anybody. Right. So they got a little bit better, but still giving up, throw. still giving up thirty-two a game. Yeah, they can't throw. I, I got to take an under if a team is going to potentially try to play pickup and they or catch up and they can't throw the ball. Yep. Yep. And I will say this for North Texas: when you look at their when you look at their defensive numbers, they have played SMU and Mizzou. They give up eighty-three to those two teams. Yeah. Now, so, those teams, of course, are better than Marshall. That's what I'm saying. But Marshall offensively has not been awful this year. No. They're inconsistent. The defense has been the most disappointing thing about that Marshall team. Yep. Agreed. All right. So, moving on. Taking a look. San Diego State, San Jose State. Scott, San Diego State still undefeated. Don't hear much about San Diego State because they play out there in the late games on the West Coast. He's looking football also. They do play hideous-looking football. They don't play sexy football, man. They run the ball, and they grind out the uh, they they grind out the victories with uh, stifling defense. You always mention the will to live, and that seems like what San Diego State tries to destroy in the first five minutes of every game. Yep, absolutely true. So, how do you see this one going? 
oh boy, San Diego State, I put in my doghouse because of that complete no-show in the first half against New Mexico State earlier this season. Right. But they've been great. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Defensively, they're very good. Special teams are always good. Arguably the best punter in the country, by the way. So, so field position usually works out in their favor. But San Jose State, we knew last year was a Cinderella story. Right. Offensively, they just don't have it. I know they lost a bunch of wide receivers from last year. So they don't have many weapons. Starkle's been okay. They don't really run the ball too well. The receivers are non-existent. I got to look at San Diego State because I really question how San Jose State, who could barely move the ball against Hawaii, how they're going to move the ball against this team. I just don't see it. Let me let me ask you, does it matter? Because Starkle is questionable. He's got he's got an injury to his non-throwing arm. That means they're going to use Nash, who's the right. wide receiver, who's going to convert back to quarterback to play in this game? Yep. Is that the plan? Yep, that's exactly that's exactly it. That's, that's who they've been using. They've been using Nash. So... I don't like either one of these guys. I think Starkles hadn't had much of a season, and Nash He's is even worse. better than Nash, though. Mm, okay, you say so. I know he was. He had a great year last year, but he just he hasn't he hasn't been great this season. So I'm just saying, if you were converted to a wide receiver, I don't think the team has faith in your throwing ability. No, that's probably that's probably true. That's probably true for sure. I'm looking at the under. I don't know how I'm not supposed to. San Jose State's defense is still pretty good. Forty-one. Yeah, it's, it's a low total. It's hideous. But if you're using a backup quarterback who can't really throw and you don't have many wide receivers and the San Diego State defense is absolutely filthy, mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm supposed to like an over, even despite how low this total is, if I'm not sure San Jose State's going to score a touchdown. It's possible. I mean, they could be, you know, they, it could be, kind of, you know, some kind of a, a, a junk thing. Brookshire might do something stupid. He might throw a pick or whatever, but. We know San Diego State loves to control the time of possession. Yep. San Jose State's not really a huge big play offense, up-tempo team either. I see a lot of really ugly running plays and a bunch of just six-minute drives that might lead to a field goal if you're lucky. Well, see, in this San Jose State team, you know, they are – it is a bad matchup for San Diego State because they don't score and they don't hold the ball. They're just 124th in the country in time of possession. You mean San, San Jose State's a bad matchup? For San Diego State, what I say? No, you mean San Diego State's a bad matchup for San Jose State? Well, either way. They're, ba- they're a bad... Well, it's not either way, because you can make an argument that San Jose State's a good matchup for San Diego State because they're just going to control the ball the entire time. No, San Diego State is a bad matchup for San Jose State. Okay. Okay, whatever. That's- it's, yeah, not, that's it's not. It's not. You've you flipped it. It's not going to go well for the Spartans. How about that's that? That's the point we're trying to make. It's not pretty. Yeah. This is a. Uh, the, and then they really. The only time they've topped seventeen points was against New Mexico State, which barely qualifies as an FBS school. I don't. I don't know. I'm looking at a team total. Trying to just think of it in my head here. I mean, you're looking at basically twenty six to. I looked at I looked at this I looked at this earlier. It's gonna it's twenty five sixteen. You're probably gonna get sixteen and a half. It's somewhere it's somewhere around. Let me see. I've got I've got, I've still got it right here. Let I got to assume sixteen and a half is what it's gonna be. Do you? Uh, State, now are you uh, are you a, are you a fan of that play playing the under for San Jose State? I have to. They might be using a backup quarterback who got converted to wide receiver. It is uh even with Starkle, I don't mind the under, but if you're really going to use a guy you converted from quarterback and you're going to convert him back to quarterback, that sounds like a lot of running plays to me, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, that's really weird. BetMGM does not have 
the team total for? I look right now. I'm assuming DraftKings has it. San, they've got San Diego State at, to, at 26 and a half, so that's going to put it at 14 and a half. 26 uh, and a half. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's, that's always fascinating with team totals compared to spreads. The spreads are nine and a half, but the team totals have a twelve point differential. Yeah, it's got to be. Well, uh, yeah, they might cheat it up to fifteen and a half, but either way, I'm going to see what I can get on uh, on DraftKings here. But I'm assuming it's going to be n- near what you said. Well, congr- sixteen and a half minus one twenty five to the under. By the way, congratulations to the Dodgers. They are mo- moving on. Boo. I'm not surprised. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I told you before we got started, I even made a live play on the Dodgers just so I could win either way because I, I hate the Dodgers. But Nice job by Scherzer, though, closing the door. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know, gave up gave up a shot that could have dropped, but just wasn't quite enough. So, anyway. I'm, I'm there. So, anyway, you said 14 and a half. Once again, chop your lines. Drafting to 16 and a half. Yep. There you go. I've got to play the under 16 and a half there. I think that's solid. I have to. Yep. I don't know who their quarterback is. Absolutely. And the last one on the agenda, Scott, California, Oregon. The Cal Bears and Oregon Ducks both coming off a bye week. This game is in, uh, careful with that axe, Eugene. 15 is uh, where it opened. It's now sitting at 13 and a half across the board. So there has been, has been a bear market. See what I did there? Um, yeah. And they've, and they've, and that has, substantial because it's come through the numbers of 14 and uh, all the way down to 13 and a half. So it crews right through 14 and a half, crews right through 14. So we're now less than two touchdowns. Where are you at on this one? Well, my question, I guess, for you with this, whatever you want to call the Pac-12, do you feel confident ever laying double digits with any team nope. unless you're against complete garbage? Nope. Nope. Because California, I think, isn't good, but they're not atrocious. You know? Uh, no, they've had a, they've had a couple of close calls. They had a, a close loss to uh, TCU, and they Barber had Barber is another guy who's been in college for what feels like forty five years. Yep, yep, absolutely correct. So, as far as as far as that one goes, I again, I don't feel I don't feel good laying laying double digits now. I wanted to ask you this. Do you think there's still a path for the Ducks to make the playoffs? The argument would be yes, but they need a lot of help. You need a lot of the other teams to lose. You're going to need basically three one-loss teams and a couple of two-loss teams. What one-loss team do you put them in over any? Ohio State, technically, because they beat Ohio State heads up, don't you think? Yeah, I would. that's what I was going to ask you. If, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten and Oregon wins the Pac-12, they're both... Whatever, I, twelve and twelve and one. Be a lot better, but I do factor head to head above everything. I think you have to. I think you have to there. So they do have it all in front of them now. Do I think they're going to get there? I do not. I think this is a very flawed Ducks team, and there's some problems. They've got uh, Thibodeau is going to be missing the first half with a with a targeting call. Of course, Verdell is out for the season. I want to roast Thibodeau by the way because I know that he's the best defensive player in the country. Mm -hmm. Doesn't it feel like he's kind of mailing it in this year? I haven't really seen much of a fire from him where it reminds me a little bit of Clowney, where Clowney knew he was going number one. Right. And you kind of start to question the hustle a little bit. Now, Thibodeau got the targeting, so I guess he was trying a little bit too hard on one (laughs) Right. I haven't really heard his name called at all this year, and he's just a shoe in for number one. Am I wrong for kind of calling him out? Because I really 
haven't really seen him do anything this year. I guess in this day and age, we should be happy he's just still playing, Scott, that he hasn't opted out for the rest of the season. I guess. I'm I'm just saying. I don't know if you noticed that too, but Thibodeau, I know he was injured for the Ohio State game and whatever, but I feel like he really hasn't done had any impact at all on the team. Well, I don't know. You know, and he's also been without his running mate for most of the season too. And that makes that makes a, a huge difference a lot of times in, as far as blocking assignments go. It does, but I'm saying people were penciling this Oregon defense in for being a filthy defense because they got Thibodeau, they have a good secondary. Has the pass rush or the defensive line been that great? Because it seems pretty average to me. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this is an Oregon team that gave up 31 to Stanford, and that's just... That was also the overtime with the controversial penalty at the end. True. True. That's yeah. That's that's a good. They point. still got hosed, so they should still be undefeated. But that's a separate story. Well, you you know the argument there is you don't put yourself in that position. You don't put yeah. put yourself it, it in the position to let the referees decide it. So anyway, I'm looking at Cal. Couple I think f- Oregon's the better team. Oregon seems to really enjoy playing with its food. They don't really win many games in blowout fashion. Yep. I think California hangs around. I think Oregon will win, but I think it'll be by ten. California 10 and 1, ATS on the road last 11 games. Garvers is a decent Pac-12 quarterback. He's just he's not quite good enough, but he's but he's good. He's just not yeah, quite he's, good he's enough. He's good enough if you're getting 13 now. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, uh any thought any feelings on the total? Uh it's either under or pass for me. Yeah. I feel like if California wants to keep it close, they're going to have to go on some long drives. Agreed. They're going to have to keep it. They're going to keep it. Have to keep it out of their hands. The the other thing that's kind of um, I don't I don't know what kind of impact it's going to have. Can Oregon kick? By the way, they have like no special teams quality, right? I don't think so. I haven't seen I think much the of it. Kind of stinks, doesn't he? Well, and they're also uh, there's a strong possibility they're going to be missing their OC again. Um, Joe Moorhead had surgery and he missed the last game against Stanford. And it's kind of questionable. I guess, you know, they don't put coaches on the injury list. But as of a couple days ago, they don't know whether he's going to be able to go. And and that's your play caller. So normally that wouldn't be a big deal. But I will say that his uh, certainly that offense didn't look like it was hitting on all cylinders against the trees, huh? By the way, their kicker actually has not missed a kick all year, but his longest field goal is 43. Okay. So they really haven't tested him that much, but he's actually been good. I take it back. Okay. All right. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that just leaves us with one. We've covered the football. We just have one more left. And, of course, it's probably our best play of the day. In fact, it is our favorite play of the day. We've put our heads together. We've come up for it. It's Friday. You know, we always like to have a nice, solid win for you on Friday to get you into the weekend. And today should be no different, guys. Put on those overalls, climb on that John Deere, fire that bad boy up, because it's time for Bet the Farm! All right, we are turning our attention to the majors. It's me, right? I'm not even sure. Okay. All right. It's me because I had the hockey ones. Oh, that's right. And then I, okay, you're right. And then then I did that stellar football pick. All right. It is you. You you had the under in the uh, Giants Dodgers game. Mm, Anyway. Solid. So for this one, we're looking at baseball. First game of the ALCS between the Red Sox and the Astros. And we like the over eight at minus 110 on DraftKings. Astros averaging 7.7 runs per game in their first four playoff games. They scored at least six in each of those games. Red Sox, though, offensively, also been really good. They've scored at least six runs in four of their first five playoff games. 
The pitching matchup, you have Sale against Valdez, which sounds good on paper <laughs> until you actually look at the numbers. And both of them in their one playoff start were awful, to be honest with you. Sale went one inning, gave up five runs, including the Luplo Grand Slam. He was extra awful. It was extra awful. And Valdez pitched against Chicago, four and a third, four runs. Chicago had guys on base every inning. So we think with a total of eight, these two offenses, which are really, really good, and two pitchers that have not been pitching that well down the stretch, this total is too low. Within this game, gets to at least nine. Yep. And by the way, grab that because it is starting. You're starting to see a juiced eight, and you're starting to see eight and a half in some spots. So catching it, at eight and a half. catching it at minus one ten at DraftKings, if you can get something similar to that number, uh, I would highly advise it because I think this will be eight and a half pretty darn quick. And it, like you said, it could it could go to nine. Now, eight and a half is kind of a key number, so we'll see what happens with the nine. Um, sale wasn't good even coming down the stretch. He was a 4.97 ERA his last three regular season starts and like you said just absolutely dreadful. And he's also not going to go long, Scott. He's he's we're not we, you're probably not going to get much more than 5 out of him max. That gives I'm us I'm not even sure if he's going to go 5. That minutes. gives us four shots at that horrific Boston bullpen. Minimum of four. Yep, minimum I think that's correct. I think there's a, a minimum of 4. I think I think Sale has a maximum of 5 innings. So, we like that bet the farm Red Sox Astros over 8. Grab it, live it, love it. That's going to be a winner for you. And that's going to be uh another one in the can for us, my friend. Another great show, another great week. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We have a, uh, a lot of fun doing this and uh, of course we could football show tomorrow. Couldn't do it without you. Don't forget we have our College football show that we'll have posted sometime later this afternoon, early evening, and then we'll do our NFL show that'll be posted right after that. So make sure you check those out in uh, video or podcast form, whatever your favorite way of dissemination is. All right. So for myself, for Scott Reichel, for the whole gang over here at winnersandwiners.com, thanks for being part of the show. We appreciate you guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the college show. We'll see you on the NFL show. But most importantly, we'll see you Monday on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.